Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is John Moog, and John is my new partner on the radio. So for those of you that listen to the podcast, but you don't know what I do for my day job, I do a morning show for a station in Boise, Idaho called Mix 106, and John is my new partner. So I've never done this on the podcast before. I don't really know that much about you. We're just kind of getting to know each other. Yeah. But I thought it would be kind of fun to just pick someone at random and see how your life has gone not the way you planned. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on your podcast. You're um, and this is this is a fun way for us to get in, get to know each other. And I think that there's probably a lot of things um, in my life that hasn't necessarily gone the way I planned. Yeah, I think it's something that a lot of us can relate to in one area or another, or usually multiple yeah. aspects. Yeah. So one question that I like to ask my guests is, what did you envision for your life when you were growing up? Like, what did you want to be? How did you think things were going to play out? I wanted to be a big time radio star. You did? (laughs) So from the time you were little? Uh, I would say from probably, there's a a really dorky picture of me posing with my boombox in like fifth grade. Okay. Yeah. I, I just always loved radio and I always wanted to do it. And, um, and and a lot of it has gone well, and there's been some missteps and mishaps along the way, mm-hmm. of course, too. I guess I guess when you're looking at your life from, you know, you know, as a child, or even when you're 18 or 19 years old, and you're looking ahead at life, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you right. don't take into consideration the things that won't exactly go your way, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes. That's okay. Sometimes you got to take some risks and see we're a little naive to that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, the world is my oyster and I'm going to go do these big things and it's yeah. going to work out great. So going, we'll get into like the radio stuff in, in a bit, but when you were a kid, I know that your parents were divorced, right? Yeah. And your mom, she, how does she handle that? Like she ended up getting into real estate. How did that kind of play out with not getting, you know, not getting too personal, but. Oh, we can get personal. So yeah, my, my parents split up when I was five. Okay. Um, and so I, I stayed with my mom, me and my sister stayed with my mom. My brother ended up moving in with my dad and, um, they, my brother and my dad, they lived in the same city as, uh, as us. So it's not like we were separated by any like major okay. distance. You still saw each other. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, it was a divorce that was not pretty mm-hmm. by any means. And so but prior to, to that, my mom was essentially a stay at home mom. You know, this is the early nineties. And so, um, and, and she didn't have any real qualifications. And so she, um, ended up getting into real estate and became wildly, wildly successful in real estate in in Las Vegas. Um, and then after the economy took a crap in 2008, she was like, all right, this is too stressful. I'm out. And they moved to Texas and for no other reason than they went, Texas is kind of cool. Let's move. Right. <laughs> you so know. they didn't go to a, another job there. Your, your stepdad and your mom. No. Just- yeah. She started getting into my mom. She'd be somebody fun for you to, to talk to on, on this podcast. It sounds like she, it. She went from doing real estate in Vegas to now she does like estate sales. Okay. So like, and I'm probably saying this wrong, but a lot of times when people die, yeah, um, their family doesn't want to deal with all their stuff. 
So they hire somebody oh, who comes in. that actually sells the stuff off? Yeah, and then gra- oh. grabs everything that the family doesn't want necessarily, sells it off, and then they get a check, essentially. Oh. So she does estate, estate sales. She's a licensed auctioneer. Wow. So, yeah, so she's gotten into all this. Um, and you'd think by seeing her house that she's like an insane hoarder. Oh. But it's just okay, okay. because she gets all this stuff from estate sales, and then yeah. she does most. She sells most of it online. Okay, yeah. she could keep some of it if she wants to buy it or whatever. Yeah, and then it's, the problem is she's in Texas. Yeah, because we're out there, and she's like, "What do you want?" But she's got all this furniture and all this stuff, and I'm like, "Well, I kind of want all this stuff, but how, how am I going to get it here?" You know what yeah. I mean? The thing that I love about your mom's story is that you know when you say she didn't have a college education, right? She, no, she finds herself a single mom and then she, you know, goes and, and gets into real estate. She's hugely successful Then she gets into estate sales and is successful. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to, well, first off, if you, if you don't have a classic education to just kind of limit yourself or say, I can't make big money or I can't do certain things. And she defied those odds. And then I think also when you're in an industry for a long time, like she was with real estate, it's easy to say like, I can't do anything else. Yeah. And so it's kind of neat that she parlayed that into estate sales and she has a whole new career. Yeah. And she loves that stuff. I don't think I could do it because there's just so much stuff, but she gathers all this stuff and then posts it online. Yeah. Um, this is kind of morbid, but one of the most interesting pieces of furniture that she has is a beautiful cedar chest mm-hmm. that um, this this woman was killed by, I believe, her son. Oh, wow. Um, and it was like blunt force trauma kind of thing. Okay. And there was blood on the cedar chest. Um, and so nobody's wanted the cedar chest. So my mom's just kept it. With the blood on it and With the blood on it. And when my grandma was still around, the rule was like, don't tell her that this happened with that cedar chest. Yeah. Um, But that piece of furniture is still in her house. And like somebody died by getting their head bashed into it. I don't know. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I mean, that's morbid, but definitely a a unique piece for sure. But it's interesting. (laughs) And she really likes the cedar chest and she got it cleaned up and stuff and. Is keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> That's it's a total quite, sidebar. Quite the story behind it. Yeah. What were your thoughts being a, a five-year-old and, and going through divorce? You know, um, my, my mom, I don't know what the conversation was, but she brought this up recently, how she remembers with me particularly being so young. Um, she goes, I remember the, the night that your dad left mm-hmm. and my brother and sister were crying and she goes, I remember you kind of sitting there not crying, but kind of almost crying. And she said there was obviously a lot of um, confusion. Right. Um, I, I, I think I've heard the most impressionable age is seven. When, when traumatic life events happen, um, seven is kind of the center of hmm. when they can like really affect you okay. the most. And I was a little bit before that. And so... Because I was so young, uh, it's always kind of been my normal. You know, my mom and dad are separated. Mm -hmm. They don't get along. It's, you know, if they're in the same room, it's because somebody's getting married. Okay. It's it's that kind of a It's very rare. My my brother got married um, this past October, and I'm getting married in April. And Mm -hmm. maybe this, I mean, unless there's another wedding or something, you know, kids 
graduations or something, I can't think of any other reason they would ever see each other right. again. Like yeah. it's, they've been divorced 30 years and it's still almost 30 years and it's still pretty. There's still feelings there. Awkward. Okay. I wouldn't say feelings, but negative But I mean feelings. like negative yeah. feelings. Yeah. Not yeah. romantic feelings, but right. negative feelings, yeah. I, which I think is a good point to bring up on this podcast because I talk about my own divorce a fair amount and I had as my daughter would say, a good divorce. So we, we get along. I talk to him every day. He's yeah. like my friend. We're just, we just shouldn't be married. We shouldn't be romantically involved. But I think that sometimes I'll throw out advice based on my own experience, you yeah. know? And I think that sometimes it comes across as being easier than it often is. I mean, I, your situation with your parents is probably more common than how my relationship looks with my ex-husband, you know? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not pretty. It never has been, you know, a bit of trash talking probably on both sides. Mm -hmm. I definitely heard my dad say some things before that. I was like, my God. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had to pick sides or? Um, yeah, but it, it was, I guess I always naturally gravitated towards my mom. Yeah. You know, I, I, she was, she was definitely the constant Mm -hmm. in my life. And so maybe. It wasn't even like I picked a side. It's just that that was a side that was kind of on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I like my dad, but <laughs> we're just not. You're closer to your mom. Yeah, much closer to my yeah. mom. Well, and you lived with her primarily, right? Yeah. After the divorce. So. Yeah. So moving on from that, <laughs> you, you, I mean, your career, for the most part, it seems like it went the way that you planned. You set out to be in radio and you ended up in radio. Yeah. Um. I, I've had, a, I think, a pretty fun career. I've made some mistakes. I've quit a couple jobs. I've been fired in radio twice. Both times I probably could have prevented if I wanted to. It, they were in situations that I was where I was really unhappy. Um, I a few times have been lucky that I had the life vest, which was the station that I started at. Mm-hmm. You know, I think even now if I wanted to go back there and do... You know, they'd probably take a night show or something. They would. I mean, I've always had a great relationship with with that station uh, in Vegas. And so, you know, when I went to Florida and I hated it, I just stayed there for three months and then I went back, you know. Yeah, that's that was not what you intended. I'm sure going out there. Yeah. And then I went to Denver and I worked at a country station out there for a year. Um, And that was a that was a pretty rough experience, too. And I left there. And they welcomed me back. So I actually, I quit that job. I've now left that station three times. I don't have any intentions of of going back now because I'm in a different situation. You know, when I was young and single, it was like Vegas and that station in Vegas was always kind of my life raft. You know what I mean? Like I knew if something went wrong. I knew when I went to Florida and I got homesick, I could go back to Vegas. When I went to Denver... And it was time to go, and I got let go. I went back to Vegas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, I'm getting married. Like, I'm not in a situation. I don't. I don't want to move again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to plant some roots and and be somewhere for a sure. little while. Speaking of your relationship, how has that department gone in your life? Has it gone the way that you thought it would, or like you're you're 33, right? 33. Yeah. Is that when you kind of thought, yeah, that's a good age to get married. Or what is, what does the dating journey look like for you? You know, what's interesting when I look back at who I was when I was 16, 17, even 18 or 19, I thought probably get married at 23, probably have kids starting around 25. And that Mm -hmm. was 
certainly what I planned. Um, I had a girl that I was seeing when I, for, we dated for two years when I was 23 to 25. And, uh, that ended and I was, you know, heartbroken and devastated. And it, it, it was one of those things. It was, it was so painful. I look on Facebook and I, saw she posted a picture with another guy and like my stomach sank, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was, and I thought, man, am I, how stuck am I on this girl? Is it, is this ever going to go away? And, um, so I was single for quite a few years and I, I dated and, um, and it wasn't until early 2017 that I met Stacy, my now fiance. And, you know, she's somebody who, it, it just worked from the moment that I met her. Um, we met in our first conversation. We sat down and we talked for four hours. Wow. And it was, it was, there was never a moment where it felt like I was just getting to know someone. Mm-hmm. It just was like, we'd known each other for 20 years. That's the it, best. It, it was so, it was, it was an experience like I've never had before. Um, and then we just started hanging out every day and, um, in the first month we went to Disneyland together and after Disneyland I went, kind of already feel like she's my girlfriend. So mm-hmm. I know it's only been a month, but you know, I asked her to be my girlfriend. Yeah. And she said, yes. Looking back on it, I'm like, man, that was kind of quick to make it official. Well, it depends. I mean, my now ex-husband said that he loved me after two weeks and I was seriously thinking in my brain like, oh, I didn't even know we were like together. <laughs> and then we got married, married six months later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's not quick in my world or my, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess we said, I love you around the three month mark after Mm -hmm. we had been officially a couple. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then, so we were together for a solid two years before we got engaged, which was last May. And now we're getting married in April. So, um, there's a much longer, version of the story of how we met and in all that I guess that I could probably share on another day but um but yeah this is this is um really worked out and uh in in sort of serendipitous at times in the way that it's it's worked out um I got a job in San Diego and we were doing the long distance thing and she's so she's, she's in Las Vegas she was met in Las, Las Vegas. Vegas she stayed in Vegas originally when you went to San Diego yeah for about five months okay. and she's um a graduate student at UNLV. She's getting her degree, her PhD in psychology. Wow. And there was essentially for you to get your psychology degree, you have to do a year long internship Mm -hmm. and you have to apply to like 10 schools and then you have to rate them. The schools have to rate you and it's got to match up perfectly. And she wasn't even going to start her internship until, um, uh, she wasn't even going to start the, uh, application process for the interviews for the internships until the following January. And that July, she got a call from one of her people in Vegas at UNLV, and they said, hey, there is an opening for an internship in San Diego by chance. I know your boyfriend just moved out there. Would you want to go there? And she was like, yes. So she skipped the whole interview process and started her internship a year early. Mm -hmm. So she's spent the the whole essentially all of 2019 doing her internship and now she's working on her uh dissertation which is like the final research project before she gets her phd but um the the moral of that story was the 
that never happens with the inter- internship pro- process, from my understanding. Just they had an extra space that they needed to fill, and they reached out to somebody, you know, there in, in Vegas, and mm-hmm. they said, hey, we know somebody who would like yeah. to go there. It was just meant to be. Yeah, so it, it helped a lot, you know, because we, we were long distance, but it wasn't. We, I was in San Diego. She was in Vegas, right? So she could drive. She ended up flying It wasn't a lot. super long distance, but. Right, Um but it, but still, that's. I mean, I'm in a long distance relationship right now, and it's yeah. very challenging. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you don't see each other every day, so or you know, on a regular basis, and you have to do a lot more phone time. Yeah, and that takes a lot of commitment. I mean, I've found like, not that I don't want to talk to him a lot. It's just that I, you know, I plan like chunks of time that you know. Sometimes I'm on the phone and I'm like, oh, I really need to be getting this done, or I really need to be getting that done. But I know I need to invest in the relationship, in the relationship you know, yeah. and it just looks weird, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's tough and it's an extra commitment. And, you know, and, and I guess I, I shouldn't speak too much on the long distance thing, because, like I said, it was for a short time and relatively short distance as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really I, I think have lucked out our, our families get like knock on wood, but it all like goes well together. Our families get along great. Um, you know, she's got an interesting story of her own. If you want to talk to somebody on your podcast one day. Now Um, her father passed away, right? When she was seven. Yeah. Which has had a, a a very big impact on her life. And I think so. Um, is, I, I think she's got a pretty interesting story too. And she's, she, she's somebody who has dealt with a lot of Mm -hmm. different types of grief in her life in through different stages. Yeah. That I, I think that most people don't deal with that kind of grief, especially at young ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think a, a big part of that is why she went into psychology and that's makes perfect sense. One of her things that she enjoys helping people with is grief processing. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably mangling how all this is said, but um, she really likes helping people with grief processing because it's something that, we all have to do, right? Because we yep. all lose important people in our life. Right. Um, One thing that I, I mean, this kind of sounds dumb, but I just was naive to grief in some ways. And it, it's been recently that I've really understood that you can grieve things other than just like the death of someone. Yeah. You, know, you can grieve all sorts of things. Like I remember my therapist I see a therapist once a month and I just kind of throw out whatever garbage is going on that month. Yeah, that's great. So I was talking to her about my relationship with my mom and I, I have a good relationship with my mom, but there have been times when it's been rocky as I was growing up and, and even as an adult. And she said, you are never going to have the relationship with your mom that you keep wanting to have because she just, she, I think I always wanted more of a friend like someone that I could call, especially as I became an adult and talked to her about anything or, and she's like, no, I'm still your mom. You can't, we're not going to have that kind of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And she said, you have to like grieve that that is not ever going to happen and then start anew. like, no, this is the expectation here with mom, you know, expecting what the relationship is not, is accepting what, accepting what it is instead of continually trying to force something that's just not going to happen with her. Oh, so, I mean, that's like a little baby grief, but I still had to kind of 
process through that, you know, like, okay, that's never going to happen. I'm not going to keep approaching it and hoping that it's going to happen. It's just not. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason. Yeah, so. you're right. Grief doesn't have to be um, death. Trauma doesn't doesn't have to be something, you know, that's a giant. It doesn't have to be a car accident no. or a gunshot. Yep. Um, one thing I have found myself weary of. So um, when I got fired mm-hmm. and I don't know how so much. This was another thing that kind of rocked your world because she was there in San Diego doing her internship. Yeah. And in, then, in a very expensive place to live. Yes. Um, and when I got fired, you know, and I won't name check anybody or the sure. radio station or anything, sure. but when I got fired, it was a very, um, like almost a traumatizing moment. Now when I see, sure. when I see general managers, I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> like, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah. Um, you know, the guy came in, slammed the door and started like screaming at me. And I'm a like pretty mellow person and I'm not overly reactive. And so, and you didn't see this coming. No, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't expecting it at all. And, uh, it, it was very loud and aggressive. And I was just like, what, what, what is just happened? happening? Yeah. yeah. And, <clears throat> Um, and I remember walking out of there and like sitting in my truck for a minute and being like, did I, like, I literally just did my show on a Monday, like normal. Mm -hmm, And, you mm -hmm. know, I can't get into all the, uh, nuts and bolts of it, but it was a pretty insane situation. And so now when I see, you know, general managers or the guy in a suit, I'm like, like, Oh, Oh, fire me. me." Right. (laughs) And I think, I mean, that's another thing that you go through a bit of a grief process with, you know, losing a job or even, I mean, I'm very excited to have you, but I totally recognized when I lost my partner on the morning show before and that just what that show was and everything that, cause we thought we were going to do a show together forever. Yeah. Uh, I had to, I mean, I went through like denial, <laughs> bargaining, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the whole grief process over this, you know, end of this, this radio partnership and. It's, it's not weird. It was weird to me to look at that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had to like, that was like a death. (laughs) Kinda. It's not as, as simple as just like yesterday you were working there and today you're not, you know, I, I had a co-host who I worked with every single day for Mm -hmm. a year and a half. Yep. And we struggled, I think in, in the beginning. Um, but we became pretty friendly with each other. Um, and, you know, I, you spend this much time with someone. Yeah. Um, they oftentimes become like family. Yeah, in, in a sense. And I I felt a little abandoned that, you know, after I got let go, because she didn't, um, she sent me a text that afternoon and said, sorry, dude, I just heard what happened. And that was the last time we ever spoke. Wow. I know. She wished me a happy birthday, I think, at one point, and then, you know, but she but never- you go from talking to this person and spending yeah. huge amounts of time with this person every single day to they're just gone. Yeah, and, and I don't know what I was expecting, but we never spoke on the phone. Weird. I ran into her mom once, you know, walking my dog. Um, but it's kind of a feeling of like, when, when you get lo- let go from a place, even though it was- only the general manager or the program director who let you go, you kind of feel like you're enemy number one yeah. all yeah. of a sudden. And yeah. that's how I was with that. I felt very much like, wow, I just spent a year and a half at this place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel weird walking around town now. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I do. I, I was fired in Salt Lake City. And 
there was, you know, we had kind of that family unit with my program director yeah. and the guy that did afternoons and the morning show. And it was like, kind of some of those similar things like no they didn't reach out you know yeah. you're like I thought we were friends and you're not even reaching out and you do you feel like in that case I d- I didn't do anything wrong they just decided to go a different direction oh, uh, yeah. which happens a lot in radio but I felt I felt like I'd done something wrong yeah. you know even though I hadn't so yeah and it it's it sucks but you know you, you move on and, and then when you when you look at, you know, I don't think the chances that I would have stayed in that position um, beyond when my, you know, contract was up are pretty slim mm-hmm. anyway. But when you look at kind of the way the things start to turn out, um, if if I had ended up staying there till the end of my contract and then they just didn't renew my contract, that would have been in April, two weeks before I got married. Um, that would have been, this job wouldn't have been available. They would have filled this position already. That would have been after, by the way, iHeart, the biggest radio operator in the, in the company or in the country, um, dropped 1100 people. Yeah. That this just happened last week. If you're not in radio, I mean, all these people just ended up. And all these people are looking for jobs now. Work, Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. You would have had a much harder time getting a job. Yeah. It, it, it would have been a much um, more competitive situation yep. in, in terms of getting a job. And so I'm glad, you know, now I'm starting here. I still have a few months before I get married. We know exactly where we're going to be, you know, yeah. coming home to once we do get married, yeah. you know, so. Well, and that's one of the the beauties of things sometimes not going the way that you planned them to. Yeah. You think you have got this great vision and when you get derailed from that vision at first it is like oh what are we gonna do now but it is funny how often you look back at at the at how things worked out and you're like man it worked out better than it probably would have had I stayed the course of what I thought life should look like or I've also found that you just learn a lot of lessons along the way Mm -hmm. you know which is cool yeah and and I guess in in that situation as much as there was stuff I didn't like about that job and I knew it wasn't going to be a forever thing. Right. Um, it still was a bit shocking. And I and, and there is like all these emotions you go through um, when you get let go from a job and you go, man, I don't have to deal with this and that anymore. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. But then later that night, you're like, oh, you start thinking like, OK, well, financially, I got to pay my bills. What, and- is, what are things looking like? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so it's it's it was like this emotional roller coaster, and you know I've I've been around in this industry for a little bit, um, about thirteen years. So I've put some time in, and and I like you know that something's gonna come, but when you don't know what it is, or you know, and unfortunately in radio. You don't just get to pick a city and say, I'm moving there. No. You know, a lot is dependent upon what jobs are open and, you know, and nowadays there's fewer and fewer. And so when you're sitting there going like, man, you know, I know this is my career and I know this is what I want to do. And I like, you know, consciously you go, yeah, somebody's going to hire me. The right thing will will show itself. But there's a point there where you get kind of scared when you can't picture where you're going to live or there's so many unknowns, what it's going to look like, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, truly coming here, um, 
and and getting the job at Mix 106, like the the timing couldn't have been any any better. I feel yeah. like yeah, because I signed that contract, and then it was like three days later that iHeart dropped all blasted those. all the people. It mm-hmm. blasted a lot of really talented people. Like I knew a lot of the names on those lists, and I went, man, I would not, I wouldn't want to compete with that person yeah. for a job. You I, know what I, I mean? looked down those lists, and it felt like uh, it felt like a natural disaster to me, or like. I hate to compare it to something like a terrorist attack, but it was like, I felt like it was almost like a list of those who died. Yeah, it, it did. I just felt, I felt so bad for all of these people. And at the same time, like I, I can kind of remove myself and look at that and say, well, they're a business and they're gonna, they can run it however they want yeah. and they can make decisions that they yeah. want and they don't owe anybody a job, you know, they can, but I think all of those people that were affected by that, now they have, they have to make big decisions about, you know, are they, are they going to stay in radio? Or are they going to create something totally new? It's, it's a, it, it, a changing it, industry for sure. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people will say, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to, I'm done with the rat race. Yeah. I, I think it's sometimes in radio, you have to be willing to take a risk on a radio station. Definitely. You've got to you just know, you know, some people say, oh, it's a dying medium. I don't think it's to that point. Yeah, I think it's just changing. It, yeah, it's know? evolving. It's and evolving. It, yeah, and, tr- and if you don't evolve with it, then... Then you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. So I think a lot of people won't continue, and, and some will, and some will have to move, and some will luck out and get a job at their competitor. Or, mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, things, I guess, the whole point is things don't always go the way that you planned, but... You know, now I'm looking at it like, man, here we are in a city that, you know, the way everything lines up, you know, I think that I needed to be in Vegas in my 20s and yeah. doing all that rowdy stuff that I was mm-hmm. I was doing. Um, I, I had a, an opportunity to learn from some great people in San Diego. Um, now I'm getting married and looking at more of like a family type life and. I'm led to this. Exactly. You know, which is, I I feel like a much more conducive environment for raising a family Mm -hmm. and doing the part of that part of life. You know what I mean? And isn't that so weird that you getting fired is what led you to this. And this could end up being like one of the greatest things in your life. Exactly. You know, it's just funny how life works out that way. Yeah. And this is much more, this already feel I already feel much more comfortable here than I ever did in San Diego. Mm-hmm. The the music is music that I like. Um, the people are all friendly. Like it's I I think much more conducive to where I'm going in my life versus yeah. where I've been. You know exactly. What I mean? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just being my impromptu guest today. Yeah, we learned a lot about each and other and just sharing all of the different ways that life has not really gone the way you planned. But I'm. I'm glad that you're here and that we get to know each other better and hopefully do some good things. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.